for your air candy with K&K. The music never sleeps. Get ready for your sugar high with coffee and candy. candy, candy. Oh yeah, we're back again. Cisco Kennedy and JC. This is the Air Candy Podcast. And on this season, we are focusing on keeping the music alive. Without a doubt, Armando. Can't wait to keep this conversation going. So the last episode, we coined it, Keeping the Music Alive. We loved it so much. We thought the topic had so much meat to it, so much substance, that we figured we'd just keep that topic going for a series of these podcast episodes. And I think that's a great way for us to build rapport with our audience. Yeah, why not, right? I think it's great. I mean, listen, you know, you and I have been having a lot of experiences together with the music over the past, you know, going on two years now. Mm -hmm. And what I have seen in the music industry is that with the sampling um, and the covers, people today are uh, creating new songs, new releases that are capitalizing on many great works of the past. And that's the whole concept of keeping the music alive. I was searching around Instagram the other day and I came across a post uh, on DJ Magazine's uh, Instagram and they quoted uh, how David Guetta uh, had basically redone, you know, Benny Benassi's uh, Satisfaction. Everybody, classic, classic hit. And, 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 and DJ Mag writes here, quote, David Guetta's rework of ben- Benny Benassi's Satisfaction gave the track a new lease on life introducing it to a whole new audience and that is what i've been talking about for so long with you and that was what i was sharing with my colleagues back in the day when i was in college Mm -hmm. that this was the future more so i was on edm.com and i came across an article it was dated by a couple of years but essentially talked about how madonna was re-releasing an album with a lot of new edm versions or remixes of her old songs and the article used the words bringing her music to new audiences and that is the whole concept of keeping the music alive yeah like i agree a hundred percent as long as i've been a fan of dance music there's always been a recycling of like classic hits throw all the genres of music not just dance but it's taken from rock and roll um from disco from jazz from all like country everything hip-hop the 80s the 90s yeah and more yeah and people are taking a lot of that old work and reworking it for modern day for the music uh industry for the dance electronic genre and bringing it to new audiences and and i think that that is going to continue to be an ongoing trend that we're going to see for a long time and listen you know i'm the best evidence that this is working you know just yesterday you and i were in the studio and we were putting together the tracks that are going to be in this episode set which are essentially electronic remixes of classic uh rock songs from Mm -hmm. the past and and i did not know I did not know that the song We Don't Need by, is, I, is it Peepa, Pura Peepa? Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly like who the artist is. We, we should look that up. Yep. But We Don't Need is a sample from an old Pink Floyd song. And, and I did not know that. And you laughed at me, right? You made fun of me. We had a, a, a moment. But it goes to show that I was introduced to that song. Yeah. Uh, through from, a remix. Yeah, exactly. 
And yeah. if it, if it if it's working with me and I'm an aspiring DJ and music producer, then it's certainly going to continue to work for the many thousands or millions of people in the world, generations uh, who came after many of those greatest hits and many generations to come. Yeah. And if I recall correctly, like we don't need, obviously, which is from um, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd and that original song is Another Brick in the Wall. That came out in 1979. It is now 2023. Still talking about it. Still making remixes out there of that song. And there's been so many over the years. So many great ones. And they just keep working their way into the sound of like today's music. So Oliver Heldens and Piero Perupa That's uh, came up with the We Don't Need. They, they renamed the song. Yep. They, they, re, they named their song, I should say, We Don't Need by sampling a small part from the Pink Floyd track and and basically created a, a whole new piece of art yeah. for a whole new world of audiences. That's the beauty of music making. Without a doubt. Now, in today's episode, we're going to play uh, a set that we both put together regarding a, like a lot of old classic rock songs, mm-hmm. which have been sort of reborn through the electronic uh, versions that we have here today. And I think back to when I was a kid. I grew up in the hip-hop days, just like you, mm-hmm. you know, late 80s, 90s, into the early 2000s. And uh, when I was a young boy, uh, my stepfather was a huge Beatles fan, huge classic rock fan. So whenever he would take his places in the van, he'd always have those songs cranking. Yeah. And I never really paid attention to them because I had tunnel vision back then. I was all about the hip hop. I didn't like the rock. I, I didn't have an appreciation for other types of music. However, when I look back now on all those tracks that he used to play, you know, the Beatles, uh, the Grateful Dead, the Rolling Stones, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. So many of those classics today are still being played and still being enjoyed, not only by the generations of the time when that music came out, but newer generations who some are fans of classic rock and some are fans of electronic music like us and who are getting introduced to those classic rock hits. Yeah, and that's just a testament to how powerful they were as songwriters you know um the these like the simplicity in uh, like their melody and their lyrics they still hold now more than 60 70 years later which is incredible it really is it, it goes to show you that great music has no shelf life in other words if you produce something that is great it's going to withstand the test of time uh, the changes with uh, fads, uh, fashion, the changes with trends, and it's going to still sort of make its mark on history, but w- an everlasting one, if you will. Yeah, and like one of my favorite things about when songs from the past get like remixes, when they keep a certain essence of the original in there alive, um, and it could be just the lead melody. And that's really what makes that uh, like familiar to the audience. It's like, hey, I know this. I recognize this. I never heard it like this. This is a different version. But I know this tune. I can hum along to it. I can sing along to the words. And I think that that is some of uh, like the recipe uh, that is needed to make a great remix now. I couldn't agree more because, you know, when you're playing a show or you're DJing an event, uh, you know, you're always trying to connect with the audience. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, uh, 
your audience might be diverse. You might be, you know, comprised of folks that that like hip hop, that like dance, that like uh, jazz, that like rock. But when you put on a song that's a classic, that's been around for years, or, or a remake of a song uh, that's been around for years, and there is that lead or that melody or maybe that verse that everybody knows, yep. it connects the audience with each other, it connects the audience with the music, and it connects the audience with the DJ. And you know, when I look at what we do, everything that we do is electronic, and you see, you know. Uh, new rising stars like James Hype or Oliver Heldens they're taking old 80s tracks and they're redoing them and uh you know uh, a tech house or uh, an underground dance track or a uh, melodic techno melodic house version uh but holding on to that old melody or holding on to perhaps a verse I'm thinking to myself the Madonna like a virgin that's it's out and I just heard it, James Hype recently played at one of his shows um that allows the audience to connect. It's that sing-along moment that mm-hmm. everybody's looking for. Exactly. And as DJs, that's what we thrive for. When, like, we are putting together our sets and we have a live show coming up. Um, we want to pick and choose things that are going to create those moments. Right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it's, it's always difficult uh, to, to get the set just right. And that's always something that you and I go back and forth on. But making sure that the overall set has the respective elements uh, to appeal to the audience. So, you know, we everything we do is electronic. You know mm-hmm. that. But we're going to have components of the set that are going to be the remixes of the old 80s and 90s songs that everybody knows. Some modern R&B and hip hop that everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Those rock classics that everybody knows. And we're going to make sure that aside from... Um, you know our dry, uh, our drops, our verses, and our phrases that we're interjecting uh, certain melodies, uh, phrases, verses, etc. That the audience is going to be able to identify with. And I sort of feel that when we put together an electronic set and we interject little pieces of well-known songs those pieces become the glue that holds the entire set together and then becomes appealing to the entire audience. I agree. I agree. And then, of course, there's always that reading the crowd and making small changes if kind of necessary. We feel like we have to alter things in one way or the other. Uh, and I see you shaking your head, but you always have to be prepared for that. You, you, you have to have a few extra songs in your back pocket or in your flash drive, should we say. Well, listen, (laughs) I know that you feel that and believe that because you come from the place of being a a true event DJ, somebody that can, that knows music. You're like a walking music encyclopedia. You know, all the genres, all the classics of the ages, the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and onward. Yeah. Uh, And you know how to play to any crowd. I, on the other hand, I'm a specialist. I come (laughs) in and I only want to deal with the electronic music, which is why uh, you know, you and I have this tug of war. You know, you'll see the audience will walk into the venue and you'll say, oh, you know, this looks like it might be a hip hop crowd or this looks like it might be a rock crowd. We're yeah. going to weave that in. And, and and I'm the opposite. I showed up with a game plan. These are the songs I'm going to play. I do not want to hear the question, do you take requests? The answer <laughs> is no, I don't. But you, on the other hand, you want to appeal to the audience. I'm just <laughs> such a people pleaser. It's, it's hard. It's hard. But... I'm learning. I'm learning. Just give me the credit that I'm learning. (laughs) 
listen, no matter what, it's an experience. And obviously we want to, we want to appease our audience. That's important because we are there to provide music for their enjoyment, right? Mm -hmm. they're, the, they're the guests at the venue. They're the fans. They're the observers. But at the same time, we need to be true to ourselves uh, as artists. You're, you're much more artistically inclined than I am. But the further along this roadway that I travel with you, the more I realize uh, that these great sets that I envy so much are like carefully crafted mosaics and that art should not be uh, compromised by uh, audience desires. <laughs> okay, good point, good point. Like, you're making a lot of good points. I can't argue with that. I mean, I can't think of the last time I went to a music festival like Ultra or EDC and I was able to put in a complaint that I didn't like the set or, <laughs> hey, do you think Afrojack can weave in my favorite song? That yeah. was never, that's not happening. And when yeah. we go to the clubs and we see these great DJs perform, it's just not optional. You can't even get close to them to ask for a request, let alone make the request, you know? Speaking of, side note, I watched... It was on YouTube. Afrojack was talking about sort of how he gets ready and how he kind of picks and uh, like chooses the songs for something like Ultra or uh, like EDC. And like he admits there is there is a lot of pressure to make sure that you're coming with material that people a know they want to hear. But then you also have something in there that is new, fresh and exciting, too. So like. These guys, like, they realize that they have to sort of weave in all of their classics, maybe the stuff that is not as popular as as it was, you know, like when it came out five years ago. But they have the understanding that they have to try to figure out how can we give them all the new stuff, all the classic stuff, all um, the stuff that they know in such a short time. Because these guys don't have a lot of time on stage, like, compared to everyone that has to get on stage. It's usually, nine, uh, usually a 60-minute set at the uh, festival sometimes it's a little little less sometimes it's a little more if they need to fill time yeah but they they do have a timer on stage on the dj booth mm -hmm. sort of letting them know it's a countdown of how much time they have left yeah and, and like going along with our theme uh, like keeping and keeping the music alive all of these artists and all these uh, like djs they have that same concept in mind and they also know that someone's going on before me and someone's going on after me and like the chances are that we're going to be playing some of the same songs, but this is my particular version of it. Maybe the next guy will play this song, but it won't be in the way that I'm bringing it to the audience. Right. Yeah, I agree with you, and particularly with new stuff that comes out that's really, really popular. So, for example, uh, you remember last year, at least we got introduced to Own Boss. He came out on the scene. Yeah. And he had that really powerful track. That Move had Your that, Body. Move Your Body had a very distinctive sort of organ-like build and drop. Yep, the synth, yep. And that was popular everywhere. And, you know, at Ultra last year, a number of artists weaved in, you know, a 20-second piece of that well-known synth from the song. Yeah. You saw that because it was a popular track. It was being played all over the radio and the nightclubs. And I think that was an example of the artist coming to the stage wanting to incorporate it. And when I say people, I mean, Tiesto had a bit of it. Uh, David Guetta had a bit of it. Afrojack had a bit of it. And probably many others. I mean, I didn't see everyone set. But I think that's an example of where these guys show up. They have a huge fan base, uh, a giant catalog of well-known work. that You might refer to them as their classics. And they want to play some of those 
because they know they're, you know, audience pleasers, and that's what folks are hoping to hear. They want to incorporate some of the very popular stuff that other artists are putting out to show that, you know, they have their fingers on the pulse of what's happening in the industry. Yeah. And then I think these artists use these major festivals to introduce a new track or two of their own. And a lot of times you'll hear that, you know, Afrojack will talk, Getta, Tiesto and others, and they'll say, this is a brand new track and they'll introduce it. Yep. And then other times they'll pull the wool over your eyes. They'll play it. You'll hear something that you love so much. You'll hop on the internet. You'll try to find it. The set list will come out and it'll just be labeled as ID without yep. any song name. And then six months later, you hear on the radio and you say, oh shit. I heard this six months ago. It was only 30 seconds, but I knew this was going to be something. And now that was their next single, right? Yeah. And I, I always remember, do that. I actually remember when you and I uh, were on a Zoom call uh, with a number of uh, other DJs and uh, producers. And David Guetta was the, uh, the guest. Yeah. And uh, he was talking. Everybody was talking about... Um, a remix that he played of Crazy What Love Will Do at Ultra. Folks were crediting it. They loved it. And they wanted to know when he was going to release it. Yeah. And he talked about sort of the red tape, if you will, that go along with, you know, being under contract with a record label and that, you know, he was very proud of the work, but he couldn't release it until he got that record label permission. And perhaps that explains why the artist's tests out this new track with the audience but doesn't officially release it until perhaps all the legal uh, paperwork dot your eyes, cross your T's, he gets authorization. Yeah, and speaking of keeping the music alive David Guetta is probably one of the best artists to do this. He really knows even how to recycle his own material um, like a song like like Titanium, probably one of the biggest dance pop songs in the past 15 years. Um, and then just about two years ago when uh, like COVID hit, or like three years ago now, um, he redid the Titanium and gave it new life again with the future rave sound, right? Yeah, he, I think he and Morton created that whole genre yes. during COVID. Yes, yes. Brilliant, genius. I love that vibe. Maybe we'll have an episode down the road that is on Future Rave and we can focus on those sounds and what makes that genre um, so cool and so different from the rest. Not a bad idea, but but that's a great example that you reference because it really, you know, it goes along with our theme, keeping the music alive. Mm -hmm. And it shows how even individual artists might recognize that some of their work can become dated with time, if you will. Yeah. And that they want to revive it, keep it alive by reintroducing it um, with a new mix, a new remix. And obviously, you know, the rock stars of the day or the hip hop artists of the day might not have the ability to do that because the genres that they live in, the worlds uh, where they travel, don't really call for that sort of thing. But in electronic dance music, where most of our lead DJs out there are producers, they're able to really apply their artistic craft and reshape and recreate an old song by, by giving it new life. Yeah, and I wish we could talk about what I'm doing right now, but as we are recording this podcast, we are doing exactly that. We have an old song that uh, is probably at least maybe 25 years old, and uh, we are in the midst of giving it new life, and we hope to put it out there very, very soon. So be on the lookout 
for a new coffee and candy records uh, that will be coming out soon. And you just might say, hey, maybe this is the one that they were talking about. Well, the track that you're talking about was released in 1991. Okay. I won't reveal any more secrets about it, but hey, that's almost, that's more than 30 years ago. Yeah. Okay. So, wow. And, uh, And let's face it, there'll be a whole new group a, a new audience that we're going to introduce this song to i'm really excited about it and uh i hope that you know you make this happen quickly <laughs> so we can get it out there i'll do my best no pressure no pressure johnny all right so with that let's uh let's get to our music segment of keeping the music alive all rock stuff remixed electronic style let them have it Coffee and Candy, this is Air Candy. Get ready for your sugar high with Coffee and Candy.
It's coffee and candy, bitch.